a holy and glorious one. We thank you, Jesus. We praise the old living God. Thank you for truth and righteousness, the peace and the joy of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Everybody said praise the Lord. It's wonderful to see each and every one of you. It's good to be in God's house. No greater place to be. Right in his house, feeling after his presence. Let everything else kind of melt away. And let the good spirit of the Lord lift you up and encourage you this morning. All right? All right. We love you. If you have a Bible this morning. Nineteenth chapter of the book of Acts. Acts chapter nineteen. I'm going to begin with verse one. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth. Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said unto him, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily or truly baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Everybody said hallelujah. All right. I want you to uh, focus for a minute on verse 5 and said, when they heard this, I'd like to work for just a little bit this morning on, are you hearing me? You may be seated. Are you hearing me? The... uh, don't let the water thing bother you. I think we've got a young lady came to Sunday school this morning. She's been coming and she wants to be baptized. So give God a big hand for that. Amen. Thank God. That's a wonderful thing. So, <clears throat> you know, John, the revelator, John the apostle, John the elder, he did... Um, in his writings that he was inspired that are at the end of the Bible and 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John and then the book of Revelation, you'll find that he told them and used this terminology, he said, face to face. Speak with you face to face. Mano y mano, face to face. And I want you to think in terms this morning of this great word of God that comes to you individually. It's easy to start thinking about, you know, everybody collectively in a group and and maybe shrug something off to your left or shrug something off to your right or a couple of rows behind you or something like that. But these folks that, that uh, the Apostle Paul in the 19th chapter of Acts came upon, upon talking to them, preaching to them, and asking them two of the most important questions a person can be asked. And that was, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? You claim you're believing. You're telling me, well, I believe the Word of God. Then he's asking you, well, since your mind is feeling that way, he said, have you received the Holy Ghost? And, of course, they said, we have not so much as heard where there be in the Holy Ghost. Well, I don't doubt that in our day and age because most everywhere you go, they're telling people to accept Christ as their personal Savior. 
which is not in the Bible. Instructions never given to anybody to do that. So it's important that you not let what the Spirit is saying to you face to face because God is dealing with your heart. And you don't want to allow what's being brought to you face to face, right up in your grill, right to the forefront of your mind and your thinking, that that be shoved to the side or kind of shrugged off or somehow or another just goes in one ear and out the other or slips between the fingers. You don't want that to happen. You want to allow your heart to be open, your mind to be open. And you want to allow God's Word to find lodging like this beautiful soil out here. When they sow the seed, they want that seed to find good lodging in that fertile soil so it can produce what it's designed to produce. And the Word of God is designed to produce something in your heart. And that's why you got to let it get past just laying on the top where the buzzards of hell can come swooping down and take that beautiful seed away that you only believe for a short season. You feel a little bit good about a service and, oh man, that's good. But then somehow or another, out the door and here comes the dive bombers of hell and they begin to take the seed right out of your heart and that you no longer believe. And it, it fades away. It fizzles away. It dies away. And after a while, you're not even remembering what all was said. And then, of course, there's uh, that seed getting sown where the book said it doesn't get any depth of earth. Not much deepness of earth. Just not down in there enough. And so... Same thing happens, believe for a little while and, and then it withers away and it dies. You don't want that to happen either. And then of course there's a third case. And all of these depict the heart, your heart. How that the, the seed would fall among the thorny ground. And in falling among the thorny ground, the Bible teaches it begins to get choked out and that it was giving promise, maybe even showing a little fruit, a little bud, a little evidence of going to bear fruit. But then, then it gets choked out. It gets choked out by the cares of this life. So many things got to do. So many things are so much more, seemingly, so much more important that I've got to put my mind on that. I've got to chase after that. I, I've got time for that. Got money for that, got energy for that, but I begin to find that the spiritual things are being choked out of my life. And I'm I no longer have time for that. It's been said if you're if you're too busy to pray, you're too busy. I'd say the same thing about anything spiritual. If you're too busy for anything that is spiritual in its, in its biblical nature, then you're too busy. There's something else that maybe needs to go on the back burner. There's something else that needs to be set aside a little bit. And we need to move the spiritual thing to the forefront. We need to tell ourselves, I've got to get that done today. I've got to make an effort here that this gets taken care of. And everybody said amen. amen. All right, now this is a challenge that we all have. You say, well, you know, you're just really bashing me. No, I'm not bashing you. I'm making you aware of what takes place. I want you to be aware that it happens to people all the time. And it can happen to you just as well. And you want, I want to prepare you. I want to ask God to open your understanding that you'll have a proper, what did it say in one place? My defense is of God. And so that he would help to defend against the onslaught of the enemy that is coming after every spiritual thing in your life. He wants to destroy it. He wants to rub it out, erase it, eradicate it. He wants to make sure that you get so overly occupied with things that 
He makes you feel like those things are important. But I'm telling you, they're not important. They're not important. What's important is what is being fought against in your life. If those things weren't important, the enemy wouldn't bother. He wouldn't even bother about it. But he goes after the real important things. Okay? He doesn't want <clears throat> those things to be up forefront in your life. He doesn't want those things to be giving you to be giving attendance to those things. He wants those things to be forgotten. He wants those things to be overlooked. He wants those things to be a Bible word diminished. Diminished. Where you have to be thinking with me today that there is another case where the seed would fall on good soil. And this, these are they. And then he likens it to the kind of heart. These are they that are an honest and a good heart. Honest. They're not, they're not uh, in a dishonest manner denying. You know, and we often say denial is not just a river in Egypt. Okay? Denial is a state of mind that people just start saying no, 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 no. When reality is yes, 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 yes. And that you face it and you combat it and you deal with it. And you say, I, I'm not going to close my mind down on this. I'm not going to shut down on the truth of what I'm hearing. I'm going to, what did it say in one place? I'm going to wait to righteousness and sin not. I'm going to, I'm going to get alive here. I'm going to get a, awakened here. I'm going to get some divine help here. I'm going to make the most of my opportunity. And you know what? We have an opportunity right here, right now. We are living in a great time. Okay? Okay. I mean, you could be living back in the days of the Old Testament patriarchs. You could be living in a tent and, and uh, no refrigeration. No air conditioning. You could be you could be living uh, in a situation where things aren't so convenient, and we have so many conveniences among us today. But you could be living in a time because, again, just a trick of the enemy. If I lived back there, you know, it's always some other thing. If it was this way, or if it was that way, or the other way, or, or if I just had this. But I'm telling you, you want to, as it's been said, seize the moment. You want to grab hold of what's right here before your face, right in your eyes. God is right in front of you. He said to feel after him. He's not far from any one of us. And I want you to believe that this morning. I want you to grasp that by faith. And I want you to know that God does love you and God does care about you and that God is very much aware of your struggle and your situation. And he's very much aware of the things that can get twisted up in your heart, in your mind, in your thinking. But he wants you to know that if you will manifest towards him an honest and a good heart, that you'll face this thing honestly and that I need help. I need help here, Lord. I'm struggling with some things. I'm wrestling with some things here. And I want you to, I, I want to employ your help. I want to ask you to help me out here. I want you to be my defense. I want you to be what the Bible declares, my shield and my buckler, my high tower, my fortress. Oh God, I need you. And I'm not going to be ashamed to ask you. I'm not going to neglect, that's a Bible word. I'm not going to neglect what is being made available to me, and I might say affordable to me. This isn't something you, you have to go figuring out all kinds of monetary situations and break out all the programs and or go hire you an actuary or somebody and try to figure it all out mathematically. No, I tell you, no. All you've got to do is reach out by faith and say, I'm going to believe God. And he cares about me. He loves me. He's looking at me giving me this face to face. And what does he bring face to your face? He brings truth. He brings truth. And he's, the writer, the elder said that it caused him to rejoice greatly. You know why? Because the church, the body of Christ, 
that Jesus gave birth to, the only church he ever gave birth to, the one that he built, the one that he said the gates of hell would not prevail against it. You do not have to be a loser. You can be with the winners. And the winners are the body of Christ. And it doesn't matter what it looks like. If you, if you look at things naturally, then the enemy can draw you a very ugly picture. And he can, he can get you to believe that things are falling apart. He can get you to believe that you're a loser. He can get you to believe all kinds of negative things. But you know what? That's a waste of faith. You want to take your faith and put it in God. You want to take, don't misplace your faith. Take your God-given faith and put it in the one that will show you the truth. And when they came out of the upper room in Acts chapter 2 of your Bible, and they, having been freshly baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Well, friend, these folks had. They received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Jesus told them, receive ye the Holy Ghost. And they did. They, they separated from so many things that were trying to pull them right, pull them left, pull them back. Get them distracted. Get them to neglect. They got away from that. They broke away from that. And in breaking away from that, they obeyed Jesus. And in obeying Jesus, they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They received the gift of eternal life. They received the comforter that would help them in their times of struggle and difficulty. And having gotten that experience, then they didn't, they didn't uh, get dormant. They didn't... Uh, somehow or another just fall by the wayside with this thing. But they got motivated. They got excited. They got direction. They got purpose. They, they found out what life was really all about. And they begin to live for the Lord. And in living for Him according to His Word, according to His will, they filled their city with the truth. No greater uh, commission do we have than to fill our world with this great truth. To bring it, and as we do it, the work of the Lord, then God works with us. And he confirms his word with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. With the gifts of God, and the power of God, and the glory of God. He opens wonderful things. And you know, while I preach that, there's a devil that comes flitting around. And he wants to tell you all these negative things. Oh, you ain't seen nothing in so long, or there isn't nothing going to happen, or it won't work for you. All kinds of things that he's going to say. you got to learn, number one, the devil's a liar, okay? He's a liar. He's not going to come and tell you anything good. He's not going to tell you anything positive and uplifting. He's not going to bring you mercy and the glory of God. He's going to bring you negativity. He's going to bring you depression. He's going to try to oppress you and suppress you and depress you. You've got to rise above that, and getting the baptism of the Holy Ghost is certainly the number one way to do that. And when you can answer that question, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe when you can answer that question in the affirmative? Yes, I have. I spoke in tongues as the Spirit of God gave me the utterance. And friend, you can, you're joining hand in hand with men and women that for almost 2,000 years now have continued to bring the same original message, the truth, to everybody everywhere. Because that's the commission that we get from God. First order of business is for you to get it. You get saved. You get delivered from sin and doubt and fear and unbelief. And then along with that, you stay saved. And that's why we get preaching and teaching in the Bible, particularly Romans to Revelation, going to teach us how to stay saved, how to stay delivered, how that God pulled us out of the horrible pit when he filled us with the Holy Ghost. But let's remember something. That wasn't the only question that was asked. Paul asked them, and this is years later. This is years later. Paul has been preaching. Paul has been teaching. Paul has been reaching to people that uh, were not considered a people. And uh, the Gentiles, the foreigners, the strangers, those that didn't have the advantage of having grown up being taught the word of God, if you please, the, under the law. And now the law, being a schoolmaster, has brought them to Christ. And so something beautiful has opened up because now it's not just a blueprint, but we have the actual thing. Now it's not just a shadow and a type and a preview, but we have the very thing itself. 
and how great it is that they were, Paul was bringing it and continuing to bring it along with others. That they weren't deterred, they weren't distracted, they weren't neglecting, they weren't turning unto, unto different things and getting all caught up and getting all involved. You know, any one of them, Paul made reference to a certain thing he could have done as others did, but he didn't because he said, I've got to preach this gospel. I've got to bring this message. I've got to be a witness. I've got to be a light and a hope to a lost and dying world. And everybody said amen. And so, yes, anybody can go and rationalize, well, you know, I could, I could be on the golf course. Or I asked one time about a restaurant that was very good, had a lot of uh, natural things, fresh things, healthy things, and they were reasonable in their price. And, um, but something changed. Something changed. It wasn't like it was from the beginning. And I noticed that change. And I, I found out that the owners, the two men that started the business, that they, uh, they sold out to another corporation and uh, made a pile of money. And I said, what happened to those two guys? And somebody said, well, they're out on the golf course. Okay, I guess they earned it. But what I'm saying is, you know, we're just too busy for the golf course. We're, I'm not saying you can't ever hit around. Don't get me wrong. I don't because, you know, I make too many divots and I mess up the whole place. So I just quit long years ago. That's a joke. Haha. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I'm telling you, they are, but they, you start stacking it up. If I give so much of my life, shall we say, to golf, and then I give so much of my life to hunting, and then I give a percentage of my life to fishing, and all of these things have seasons, and I give so much of my life to sports, and I give so much of my life to something else. And what about the ladies? They give so much, you know, when it gets tough, the tough go shopping. So I give so much of my life to shopping. And I give so much of my life to the mani-pedi. Oh, God. Right? Okay. <laughs> You've heard the ladies lament, right? I need a mani-pedi. Oh, God. Well, God help you and get your mani-pedi. But just make sure that it's clear. Everybody say amen. I slipped that one in on you, didn't I? I have a way of doing that, don't I? Okay. Just make sure it registered. Because, you know, those folks are out to make money. And you be the one that got the money. Because you brought what needs the money and what needs the petty. And so they're wanting to get into your little pocketbook as much as they can. And so, you know, they've got 165 different colors they want to slap on you. All right? Which, not to mention I, that that's very bad for your manis and your petties or very bad for your nails, by the way. But that's another subject, and we'll let that go for right now. But you just remember... And if you're going to put something there, you put something clear. And everybody said hallelujah. All right. And don't be, don't be hanging all kinds of little jitterbugs and, and sparkly things all over the place either. Because I'm telling you, this world has no end to the things that it will bring and, and make you look like some kind of a Christmas tree going down the road. You have light. You, have, you can answer, I've received the Holy Ghost. You have the light. You hear me? And that's what it said. Let your light so shine. Amen and amen and amen. Come on now. Amen. So, another percentage of your life. And pretty soon, then to something else and something else and something else. And pretty soon, a large majority of your life is tied up in non-spiritual things. Things that do not have to do with God. And the first thing... When the schedule gets a little difficult, a little full, the first thing to go is church. The first thing that we miss is church. Or Bible reading. Or Bible study. Or prayer reading. You know, those are the first things that we let go. The very things that are the most important. The very things that are the most important. Now, I had a funny thing happen, said to me. Well, yeah, it did get said to me said, um, it seemed like people are getting worried that I'm losing weight. I, I didn't think I was losing any weight. I felt like I gained weight. And um, I kind of got back to a happy medium there somewhere. But uh, uh, I confess to having smaller portions and, um, and being a little more selective about what I eat and drink. And uh, sometimes I don't have sweet tea. You know, I get away from the sugar. And uh, think, take, make little adjustments here and there. So anyway, uh, but somebody said, they knew I lost weight because my fingers were thinner. I said, my what? 
I said, let me go put them on the scale. So I went out and bought a, a, my scale broke, and I put it in the yard sale. I probably just needed batteries, but anyway. I'd, I'd gotten rid of it in one of the yard sales back, and I didn't have one. And so I went ahead and, and picked one up the other day at that wonderful bath bed and beyond, and I, I got my little scale, and Brandon got it all running for me, and, and uh, you know, I got on it, and it said hello to me. It was very nice. I said, hello. And I said, How are you doing? And okay. And so um, I figured, you know, I'll put my fingers on there. We'll see what we're weighing. Well, maybe I should keep them. Uh, and I, this thing, of course, I got the one that uh, that's techie, you know, so that you know, because you know, Brandon's Mr. Computer, and, and so this thing has an app to it, you know. And I love, I, I love the Hindi language that I'm learning a little bit because uh, the first thing they taught me, taught me, starts with the word app. App. And I thought, how fitting, because I always tell Brandon there should be an app. For me getting to Fort Myers, I just press a button and whoop, I'm there. You know, there ought to be an app for that. Well, there's an app uh, in in Hindi, and it's it's app Keso Ho, which means how are you. So um, I have an app in Hindi. Okay, that's as funny as that's going to get. But anyway, I'm saying to you that uh, I I don't think um, I, I really don't think my fingers lost any weight. Best I could tell, they're they're still the same as they've always been, I guess, since I became a man. But anyway. <clears throat> I'm saying that there are so many things in life that you can give yourself to. There's so many things in life that can distract you and can seem to be important. How many times have we all made the statement, it seemed like a good idea at the time? And then looking back in that wonderful thing called hindsight, what we really want to get is some foresight. And one of the ways to get foresight is to learn by experience. You know, if you've learned something by experience, then you can apply that to your future or futuristic leanings and tendencies and plannings and say, I don't intend to make that mistake again. The, the thing that I'm saying to you is, I've learned to put God first. Let me put him first. Let me put him first every day. And let me learn to do that. Let me learn to catch quickly that the enemy comes in like a flood. And he wants to catch me unawares and me be like them in the days of Lot and get swept away, right? The flood came and caught them unawares and swept them away. Don't, I, I don't want that to continually happen, that things come flooding into my mind. And it, it sweeps away me with all the good things that God has in store, all the good things that are right here in my face. And that I go blind to those things. That I uh, neglect and ignore those things. And you know the base root of word of ignorance is ignore. And, I, and ignorance means to, to have a lack of knowledge. A lack of know-how. And Paul said, I would not that you would be ignorant. And so we're here to educate you spiritually. We're here to not make the same old mistake over and over and over again. <laughs> let, me, let me somehow, dear God, go forward here. Let me apply the good things that I'm learning. Let me, as time goes by, get the right things going in my life so that I can grow in grace and knowledge, that I can truly uh, gain a wisdom. You know, the Bible talked about not only the wisdom of God, but it talked about the hidden wisdom of God. Things that Jesus made this statement in teaching he said, I opened my mouth in dark sayings of things that were kept secret from before the foundation of the world. And that's what goes on in our, in our world. You know, they're constantly doing research, and that's a good thing, I suppose. And the only problem is I worry that they're researching into things that are leading them away from God instead of things that they could acknowledge God, that they could realize that it's God's mysteries that they're delving into. And that the greatest mystery, and we speak things in a mystery, the Bible said. Right here, it said that in your Bible. We speak things in a mystery. And as we begin to expand, expound the, the, mis, the mystery things of God, then again, the, one, the greatest thing, and the church has continued to do it for almost 2,000 years now, is that there's one God. There's not two or three or ten or twenty. There's one God. And that we are not going to serve idols. 
We are not going to make things out of molten metal or wood or any stone or anything else. That we're going to serve God who is a spirit. We have that mystery that God is a spirit. We've gotten our understanding open to that. I was uh, with Tom and one of the, I think Jose, and uh, these guys were trying to tell them, and I happened to come up and trying to tell them that there was more than one God. And uh, all they showed us was that they were very natural. All they showed us is that they had no spiritual insight. All they showed us is that they did not understand how great, what is it, how is it written, great is the mystery of godliness. That God, God who is a spirit, was manifest or shown clearly in the flesh. That the invisible God showed himself visibly. And all they did was show us that they thought naturally. When they used the term father, all they could think of was a man. That's all they could think of. They, they didn't have any spiritual insight. And they didn't think spiritually. You can't approach this book on a natural level and get it right. God is a spirit. And we're dealing with spiritual things. And we've got to get the spirit of God to open our understanding. And He, the first thing he wants you to get going on here is have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? And that second question, unto what then were you baptized? And they said, well, we're baptized into John's baptism. And they were talking about John the Baptist, John the Baptizer, which was a very good recommendation. Okay? Nothing wrong with John's baptism except that, that John baptized under the law and that John brought to them uh, uh, an icebreaking. He was preparing the way for the name, for the Lord. Okay? And that name is Jesus Christ. And as they... As John, I mean, I'm sorry, as the Apostle Paul approached these people and asked these questions, and they said, we're baptized under John's baptism. He pointed out to them and said, maybe they missed that Sunday school lesson. Maybe they, maybe they missed church that Sunday morning. Or maybe they missed Bible study that midweek that week. Because they said, they were telling them things that they said, asking them of things that they said we haven't heard. And, and well, we did it, John's baptism, and, and he said, hey, he said, that's good, but remember, John said that you were to believe on him, that is Christ Jesus. You were to believe on him, which should come after him, after John. And remember, Jesus came down off of the Judean hill and came to John, and John was baptizing people in the water, in the river of Jordan, and Jesus came and presented himself, the spotless lamb of God, came to give an example, came to show you how to do it. How great is that? You're talking about being an example whose steps you are to follow. And he told John, baptize me. And John wanted to kind of fuss with him a little bit. And he said, well, I have need to be baptized with thee. You baptize me. And so, and what was it, a you first uh, argument going on there or something? <laughs> and so, and so Jesus said, you, you tolerate what I'm saying. You just, just do what I'm saying. Just submit to what I'm saying. Because what I'm saying is right. And what I'm saying is for the best. And uh, I don't think Jesus had to point out that I know more than you, John. I, before Abraham was, I am. <laughs> so, so, you know, yield to me here. Give me, give me a little benefit. Give me a little respect. And so John said, okay, we're going to fulfill all righteousness. I'm going to baptize you. And so he baptized Jesus in water. And when Jesus came straightway up out of the water, you got to get in it to come out of it. And when he came straightway up out of the water, born again of water, then the heavens were opened over him and the Spirit descended upon him. And that, my friend, is how to be born again of water and of the Spirit. Shown by example right then and there by Jesus the Christ. And this is the one that Paul said you were to believe on him that should come after him. You were to believe on Jesus who came after John the baptizer as far as earthly ministry. And so they didn't argue. The Bible said when they heard this, are you hearing me? When they heard this, now what the Spirit 
begins to deal with you about. Whatever subject it might be, whatever need in your life it might be, whatever difficulty you're going through, whatever struggle you're having, then I'm asking you, are you hearing me? It is written, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith. So to get a hearing ear, spiritually, and a seeing eye, spiritually, the Bible said that's of the Lord, that he could open your understanding, and he's ready to do that, that you might understand the Scriptures, that you wouldn't be in darkness, that you wouldn't be. I've read in the Bible, and if you read the Bible, you have too, but that the Lord would say about a certain thing to be done a certain way, and if it wasn't, and it was done an opposite way, he said, it is confusion. It is confusion. Well, you know, God wants to bring you out of your confusion. He wants to bring you out of constantly running headlong into dead-end situations. He wants to run, help you to get away like the man that was in the catacombs, the two men, actually. But you, it focuses down on the one that came out of those catacombs. And he was all cut and bleeding, having constantly self-inflicted wounds. You did that to yourself, is what the message is. And so he comes to Jesus, who has gotten off the boat and stands on the shore of Gadara, and a place, an island, a region. And there Jesus stands, and this man comes running to him and falls at his feet. Now, you see that... That's something we don't want to lose if we ever get it and we ever grasp it and achieve it and get victory over our pride that we fall at his feet, that we crumple at his altar. And, and that's something really, church family, that we need to do every day, that we need to bend our knee to him. We need to bow our will to him. Not my will, but thy will be done. Thy will be done. Oh yes, thy will be done. I'm searching for your will. I'm feeling after you and your will. Thy will be done. Because, you know, I get my human spirit going. And my will is what gets me going in the wrong direction. And then I have to look back on hindsight, having done it wrong, said it wrong, thought it wrong, acted wrong, bad experience. Things went topsy-turvy. All kinds of messed up. And, and, and I have to look back again and say, oh boy, here's another mess that I find myself in. When instead I, somebody said, you know, well, they told about the young lady that she was in a, something y'all never get into, a rebellious mode. Y'all never had to talk. That flesh never rises up for you. But anyway, this young lady was having that kind of day. You've heard about a bad hair day? Well, she was having a, a bad attitude day. And uh, it gotten beyond the hair. And, um, her mother had told her to iron the pile of laundry. And, and so her mother had always taught her that you plug the iron in, you know, make sure it's turned on, and said when it's, when it's properly heated, you touch your finger to the end of your tongue and you touch your finger to the end quickly of the iron and you'll be able to tell if it's sufficiently hot or not. And so she being in a rather rebellious mood and being upset, and, you know, why does it have to be like this? Why does it have to be like that? I don't see why this. I don't see why that. And so she just took the iron and went straight to her tongue. Yeah. <laughs> ah! <laughs> Found out real quick why we don't do it that way. <laughs> and that's really sad to have to have that kind of bad experience. My wife has three brothers. And uh, they're long gone out of our lives, but by their choice. But... Um, not before they got witnessed to, not before, I believe, actually, all three of them got, individually, got to be in at least one service. I know her youngest brother was right here, and uh, I believe he works in the Pentagon. They say once you get in there, you never get out. Well, that's the second place you're going to get in and never get out of. I'll tell you that. The Pentagon is natural and earthly. The other place is eternal. And, uh, but anyway, uh, as a young boy, he was the last one, and, uh, he was the baby. And so babies have a tendency to get doted on and, and uh, last chip off the block. And they seem to get away with more than the rest of the siblings. And, uh, and sure enough, he was getting away with his share. And so the uh, family 
uh, grandma lived with the family. And uh, so grandma was from the old country. And um, there was no nonsense about grandma. And so she was doing the ironing. And uh, here came little Richard dancing around grandma saying, burn me, Nana, burn me. Burn me, Nana, burn me. So Nana just went, whoop. <laughs> and he, ah, he goes running up all over the house, you know. <laughs> well, he never did that again. <laughs> he never did that again. Well, you know, we can kind of get these attitudes, and we can get a little smart out, and we can get a little flippant in our flesh. We can get like that. We can get like that. I heard somebody say the other day that uh, they said they're about 20-something years old, somewhere, you know, 25-ish, whatever. And they said that, they said, you know, you go through that stage where everything you're being taught doesn't make any sense to you, and you're against it, and you rebel against it, and, and all of that. And... Uh, especially children with parents, and, um, and instead of realizing, thank God I have parents, because not everybody does. I know of a, I know of a preacher's son, and uh, he, he got to complaining. Everything was, my dad this, and my dad that, my dad this, and my dad that. And one of the young preachers, it was kind of his, one of his peers, maybe a few years younger, but he, uh, he said, you know, brother, he said, um, you might want to stop and think for a minute. Be glad that you have a dad. Because not all of us do. Because that young man's dad had passed away. And he no longer had a dad. And he missed his dad. And here's this guy got one. And all he could do was rebel against him. And all he could do was complain about him. And his dad was a great preacher. A great preacher a real man of God, a real solid citizen, and, and all he could do was rebel against him and rebel against him and always want to do everything opposite. And, uh, you know, if you're not careful, you can get in, in, a, in the wrong spirit about that. And it can, you can just get caught up in it. And it becomes a way of life. It becomes a way of thinking. It becomes a way of living. And I'm telling you, church family, these people, when they had religion, they had a certain way of thinking and believing. But when Paul brought, as it said in another place, you bring strange things to our ears. Another place they said, we never heard it on this fashion. And when they heard this, and that's the key this morning, I think, when they heard this, there was no argument. There was no fuss. There was no welling up of pride. There was no rebellion. They were re-baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And all their sins were forgiven. And then Paul laid his hands on them. And they received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And they were born again of water and of the Spirit. And now they were members of the body of Christ. And now... They can join ranks with a tremendous army, keeping rank, keeping step, keeping harmony, going forward, joining in with that group that would not turn right or left or back and headed towards that place called heaven and joining in as a great chorus, bringing the message to a lost and a dying generation and world and not changing it and making the elder for an example, John, to rejoice and, in, and have much joy because they were walking in the truth. Not like he mentioned, Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence, who does not receive the right kind of fellowship. We had a, somebody that was cutting... Belglade off from one of our daughter works. And uh, when we were able, by the grace of God, to get that restored, that fellowship from the mother church here, the people have, I just got a call from one of them yesterday, thanking, thanking us for keeping it going, 
and for the good fellowship, the good teaching, the good training. They just went on and on and said, you know, if you if you hadn't kept things going, if you would have sold the building, for an example. Said, uh, and I had a lawyer said to me, you going to sell it? And I said, no. I'm not in the business of building churches to sell them. That's an, ex- that's an exception. That's not the rule. And I said, we have good people there. And I said, we're going forward. In Jesus' name. And so this individual said, when they called me yesterday, they said, you know, if you hadn't kept on, said, we wouldn't have anywhere, me and my family, we wouldn't have anywhere to go to church. We wouldn't have anywhere to go to church. There's people that have seen a lot of nonsense. They've seen a lot of false things. And they don't want that anymore. Now that they've... Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? Unto what then were you baptized? And they got that. And they got the born-again experience, in other words. And they believe there's one God. And they believe in all the gifts of the Spirit. And they believe in the righteousness of God. And the change on the inside brought the change on the outside. And they're not confused about that or wishy-washy about that or up and down like the stock market about that. But they're constant and they're steady and steadfast with this truth. So, when they heard this, when they heard this, are you hearing me? If you're here this morning and we haven't baptized you yet in the name of Jesus Christ, then I want you to hear me. I want to baptize you. I want to baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ. I don't want you to wait another day, another second, another minute. Because you just don't know when it might be your last breath. And that you'll, what's in your face, plain as day, you'll have ignored it. And you'll have thereby found yourself in an ignorant status. And the writer said, I would not that you be ignorant. I don't want you to be lacking in this knowledge. This is the knowledge that counts. This is the knowledge that matters. This is the knowledge that everybody needs. Okay, everybody said hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everybody said praise the Lord. Let's give our God a big hand, shall we? Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. You want the experience that the apostles got. You want the experience that they gave to all those that were under the sound of their voice and the city that they filled and the other cities. And that's why you have Romans to Revelation because the church kept reaching and kept going to places like Rome and Ephesus and Galatia and Philippi and Corinth. Kept going, kept going, kept going. Reaching people. Birthing new works. And that's the pattern we're following. We go to new areas. We birth new works. We find new people. I'm not interested in people that have become rebellious and just float around from congregation to congregation and place to place. and They can't get their roots down. They can't get settled and rooted and grounded in the truth and become steadfast and immovable. But they become like spiritual tumbleweeds. And you know, those tumbleweeds, they pick up a lot of different things along the way. Spirits attach themselves to people that get involved with things like that. You want to get in the church. You want to get in the truth. You want to get rooted, grounded, settled. And you want to go forth and bear much fruit unto eternal life. And He's ordained you to do that. He's ordained you to do that. He's got so many good things in store. Let's make the elder, the apostle, let's make him happy. Let it, let it keep going on that you're walking in truth. You're walking in truth. And everybody said amen. All right. We love you and we appreciate you. Our, one of our classes is coming in, these fine young men, and we want them to get this truth in their hearts. Amen. We want them to have it. Let's stand together, shall we? Thank you, dear God. Would you take a moment, lift your hearts with your hands with me, and let's pray and worship. Father God, I love you.
And I need you, holy God. I need your holy unction and your mighty spirit, your great touch, and your great inspiration from heaven. Oh, God, help us. Help us. Let us hear this. Let us hear this with a hearing ear. Let us see this with a seeing eye. Oh, Lord God, let us be obedient and obey the truth. Obey the truth. Because you're coming back to judge them that obey not the truth. Oh, God, please help us to obey. Help us to conquer our human spirit through the Holy Ghost, our rebellion through the Holy Ghost, that in our flesh dwells no good thing, and we want to get in the Spirit. We want to walk in the Spirit. We want to be zealous for the spiritual things and the things of God. I give you praise, Holy Lord. I give you praise. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. You only have one life to give. Give it to God. Give it to the truth. Give it to your children and those you love because you only got one to give. And one day it'll all be gone. And you won't, the only thing that's going to be left behind is your legacy. It's going to be left behind your witness. It's going to be left behind the life that you lived for Jesus. And everybody said hallelujah. All right, let's take a moment and worship God, shall we? Come on now. Yeah, Lord.